It has been an honor to be here with your students uh, and in your community over this past weekend. Um, You guys have welcomed uh, Christy and me so well. It has been such a great joy to get to know some of your members and and your leaders. Debbie and Tracy and Joe are some of the most fun people I've hung around in quite a while. It was such a joy to be with them. And uh, Miss Loretta and Mr. Gary hosting Christy over these last few days. You all have shown yourself as a loving church. And I am honored to be with you all this morning. Um, As Trey said, um, I was a student uh, in his ministry uh, in 6th and 7th grade, and all the crazy things that you may hear from your students um, that they did this weekend, we did those back whenever, 10 years ago when I was his student. I think Trey needs to get a new uh, playbook on some of his games because uh, it's the same stuff over and over and over again. It was fun being on this side of it, though, instead of the students. Um, And so then God called me into ministry um, at a young age. In eighth grade is whenever I felt the Lord calling me to full-time vocational ministry. And it was actually at a D now that I was able, that I surrendered to that call. Actually, Trey was the year right after you left. So I don't know what happened with that. But um, uh, the Lord was just waiting, I guess. Um, um, but just to let you guys know that the Lord uses weekends like this in the lives of students. He uses it mightily because it is a, a hyper-focused weekend to, to dig into the Word of God and to learn about what He says in His Word and how Jesus can change and impact our lives. And so we had... Three sessions so far within our discipleship uh, weekend. The first one was titled, What is Truth? And we looked at when Jesus was on trial before Pilate, and we looked at the approach that um, the Jewish people had towards truth. We looked at the approach of Pilate had towards truth, and we saw that those were flawed. But we recognized that Jesus is the ultimate authority of truth and truth in the flesh. And so when we have questions about truth, we look to Jesus at what He says. Because what He says is real. And that is our simple definition of what truth is. It's what is real. And we know that Jesus has the answer to truth. In the second session, um, we began to look at how to know truth. And how to understand truth. And we realize that to know truth, we have to first believe in Jesus. And then we have to obey Jesus as well. And whenever we know and whenever we believe in Jesus and and obey Jesus, we experience some results of knowing truth. We understand the reality of our sin. And we also realize that Jesus can give us freedom from our sin. So that was our second session. Then on our third session, we also talked about living out truth. How do we live out truth? And we realized that the only way for us to really live out truth on a day-to-day basis is first having the spirit of truth and relying on that spirit of truth to lead us and to guide us into truth. We recognize that the spirit is a real person. He is a Holy Spirit, a part of, our, our, a part of the Trinity. We also realize that the Spirit was relevant to our life, and we also realize that the Spirit has a crucial role in leading us into truth. And so, church, we are going to be digging into our fourth session here this morning. Um, And we've titled this session, this sermon, Disciples of Truth. And so, we're going to talk about that title even for just a little bit. So, disciples. Disciples are followers. 
their students, their adherence to, to teachings. And so our, the, if you're a disciple, your entire life is centered around following a certain way, a certain person. And so we, are, we as a church, as followers of Jesus, we know that we are disciples of Jesus. And we know that Jesus is the authority of truth. And so we're going to be looking at what Jesus has prayed for His disciples right before He um, went to the cross to be crucified. So this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and we're going to go um, down to verse 17. It was one of our memory verses uh, for this weekend. So John chapter 17. This, this passage has been um, titled um, as the High Priestly Prayer. Because it was right before Jesus was going to offer Himself as a sacrifice. And we see that He was praying for Himself and praying to the Father on behalf of His disciples. His twelve followers um, that were following Him and the others that had also believed and decided to follow Jesus. So let's begin praying here, I mean reading our, our word here today. And then we will get into the message. So in John chapter 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me, and loved them as you have loved me. Let's briefly go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we praise you that you have given us your word and that your word is truth. Heavenly Father, I pray that as you um, just speak to us in this moment, that you will um, reveal to us the truth that you've given to us. Meet each and every single one of us here um, by your word and by your spirit. And I pray that we will leave this place changed by your truth. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's kind of the main idea that I want us to, to grab a hold of today before. Uh, if, if you leave today, I want you to, to know this one thing. That disciples of Jesus must live a life that is modeled by Jesus. So we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus and see what he even prays for his disciples. And that is the way that as disciples of truth, we must live. So I've got three points this morning. The first one is that disciples of truth, they must be sanctified. We see this in verse 17 through 19. At the very beginning, I'll just read um, verse 17. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So to sanctify means that you are setting something apart. You are making it special. You are making it different. You're in, in the context of, of Christianity, it means to make it holy. And so he, Jesus is praying before the Father here in this moment, sanctify them, set them apart by your truth, by your word. So to be disciples of truth, to be disciples of truth that truly follow Jesus in the life that he has given, we must be sanctified. We must be sanctified and set apart for the Lord himself. 
You know, we, uh, as Trey mentioned earlier, um, I have been recently engaged to Christy. She is amazing and awesome. I wish every one of you guys could get to know her. Um, we have been engaged for a grand total of nine days. Um, and so we, are, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, she, I love her. She loves the Lord so much. And we kind of went through the, I was a little elaborate in the way that I proposed to her, right? Um, because that's what we do now. It's not just a simple question, which she did answer yes to the question of, will you marry me? Praise God, or else it'd be an awkward situation. Um, but went through this whole process of, we went out to this nice dinner. I had this, um, after the dinner we went, and I was able to eat just a little bit. But we went out to this um, nice area that was decorated. It was on a pond and a dock that was, that had all of the pictures of our relationship and flowers and all sorts of things. Um, but when, after she said yes to marrying me, I first like was shaking so much. She was also shaking a ton um, and adrenaline was just pumping through us. But after she said yes, and after I'd gotten down on one knee, I put a ring on her finger. That ring is something special. That ring is, is something valuable. In fact, probably the most valuable thing I own now that I think about it. Please take care of it. Um, it's yours now, though. But when people see Christy now, they're going to be able to look at her hand. They're going to be able to look at that ring and know that she is set apart for someone else. They're going to be able to look at her and see, okay, that is something valuable. That is something, but that ring symbolizes that she has, has pledged herself to someone else. She's pledged herself to me. It's an outward expression of what has happened inwardly and in, in between the both of us that, that we have said, yes, we love each other and we have agreed to, to set each other apart until the day that we are married. Well, in the same way, if we're going to be disciples of truth, we must be inwardly set apart for the Lord. Where we look at Jesus, we, we see what Jesus has done for us, and we say, Jesus, I love you. I have set myself. I'm apart for you. I will not be given into sin. I will not give in to the things of this world anymore, but I have dedicated myself to you. Sanctification is a process. We are initially sanctified um, by Jesus himself. We see in um, uh, verse 19, and I love this, this verse here. It says, I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. If you think about the context of this passage, Jesus is about to give himself up on the cross. And here in this moment, he is making himself a sanctified sacrifice. The death that we owed because of our sin, Jesus made Himself holy and perfect so that He could pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus had set Himself aside for that perfect sacrifice so that we did not have to die that death and experience the wrath of God that He experienced for us. Our sanctification came at such a, a huge price, at the price of Jesus Himself. What a great blessing, what a great honor that Jesus Christ would give Himself for us. We are not only inwardly sanctified, but we are also outwardly sanctified as well. People knew that Jesus was different. People knew that Jesus was holy. People knew that Jesus was God Himself. But they in their sin wanted nothing to do with that. 
And they wanted him to die a death on a cross. We as believers, we as disciples of truth, we must be sanctified for the Lord. But we must be sanctified, like what verse says, by the Word of God. We do not need to be sanctified by human tradition of what the way that things have always been done. Well, that is not our standard. It's what the Word of God says is true. Because tradition can sometimes be flawed. Tradition can sometimes be erred by sin. So what do we do? We go back to the Word of God. We rely on the Spirit of truth to remind us about what Jesus has said is real and honoring and proven. So today I ask you, are you sanctified? Have you allowed sin to come into your life, hidden sin? Have you not set yourself aside for the Lord, for His glory and for His honor? You can do that today. At church, as a whole, have you sanctified yourself? Does this community know that First Baptist Church of Robinson, there's something different about them. They really love Jesus. They don't do things that, that other people do, and it's not because they think that they're better than everyone else, but it's because they have fallen in love with, with the Bible. Does your community know that? Does your community know that you are set apart for the Lord and for no one else? So, as Jesus, uh, the truth, sanctified Himself for us and for the work of the Father, so the, must the disciples of truth be sanctified so that others can see Jesus into the world. But not only do we see that, Jesus, that the disciples of truth must be sanctified, we also know that disciples of truth are sent. In verse 18, it says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus was sent into this world. As I was thinking about this, um, I began to think about just simple letter writing. Um, also, that's partially because of the wedding planning and thinking about all the different invitations that we'll have to send out. But we, when we send something out, we have a purpose for sending a letter out. We have a purpose and a reason for doing that. So just in the same way that, that Jesus came, Jesus came to this earth because he had a purpose. His purpose was to live that holy life, to have disciples and to go to the cross for our sin, for us to experience abundant life and eternal life through him well just as jesus was sent with a purpose we have been sent with the purpose as disciples of truth our purpose is to glorify god and to make him known in all the earth we have the greatest commandment to love god with all of our heart soul mind and strength and we have that second commandment greatest commandment to love our neighbor as ourself and we also have the great commission to go into all the nations and to make disciples, teaching them the ways of Jesus and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus will be with us the entire way. So I ask you, do you live your life as a sent person? Do you live your life in a daily manner that goes to your work? knowing that you are sent with a purpose to glorify God and to make His name known? Do you go to your neighbors and to your friends and to your families to glorify God and to make His name known? Do you go to make disciples of all nations to make His name known and to, to let others know about the great joy and the love that, that you have experienced? 
not only are we sent with a purpose, but we're also sent with a destination. You think about that idea of sending um, a letter, it has an end point. It has that, that destination that you're going to go to. Well, when we look at Jesus, His destination was the cross and then back to the Father. But again, His destination is still coming when He's going to return for His people, for His bride. But right now, we also are sent with a destination. Our destination is every single person that we come in contact with. We're a traveling letter, all right? As disciples of truth, we, when we encounter a person... Well, I love what one of my professors back at Liberty said. He would always call it a divine appointment. And sometimes when we think about it only in church language that we can kind of get lost. But just think about like your schedule. You have appointments. You have meetings. You have doctor's appointments, dentist appointments. You have meetings with whatever. Well, we'll think about that, the encounter with people as something that our Creator has divinely brought together for you to be in conversation, to you, for you to be interacting with that other person. Well, that is a divine appointment, and that is your destination. Again, to remember the purpose that the Lord has given us to glorify God and to make His name known and to share with one another the love of Jesus. But our destination is not just our our normal walk. If we look and think back to the Great Commission, we are to go and to make disciples of all nations. We are supposed to go to the ends of the earth. And, And First Baptist Church, Robinson, that commission is relevant for you too. You are called to go across the street to your to your neighbor. You are sent to San Francisco where you have a church planner. You are sent to New York City. You are sent to Memphis, Tennessee, to the, the dark apartment complexes where there is crime and there is, there is drugs and there is everything. You are also sent there as well. You're also sent around the nations, around the world, where it may be really difficult to get in there with the gospel and to be a Christian. But there are people there. There are image bearers that have not heard the gospel, do you consider yourself sent to them as well? Because if you do, then God may send you on an incredible, crazy journey that you never imagined. I never imagined that I would end up in Memphis, Tennessee doing local mission work. Working and sent to send our people out into our city and out into our community in some pretty dark places. But I want you to know, church, that whenever the disciples of truth are sent into dark places, they are also disciples of light, and that light shines very bright in dark places. God may be calling you to go to dark places, but do you consider yourself sent? As disciples of truth, I hate to break it to you, you don't really have a choice. You are a sent people. How do you think you found out about the gospel? Someone was sent to you to tell you about the gospel. Are you going to be that sent disciple to someone else? Are you going to be that sent disciple to your co-worker? Are you going to be that sent disciple to the nations? If we're going to be disciples of truth and live a life that is modeled by Jesus, we have to be sent So, disciples of truth are sent. Disciples uh, of truth are sanctified. But also, disciples of truth are unified. We see this in the last part of, uh, of the passage. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their, wor- through their word. May they all be one, 
as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May, also, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. They are unified. That we hear the word one over and over and over again in that passage. One. One people. Many disciples, but one people. As disciples of truth, we must be unified with the Lord and unified with each other as well. So if we look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 6, I'm gonna, uh, 1 through 6, I'm going to read that just briefly. And, I, and that is a beautiful picture of how there can be diversity within the body, but there is one body of the Lord. And so this is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He says this, Therefore I, the prisoner, uh, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. I have personally experienced how the body of Christ can be one. Even though you may, you have brothers and sisters all around this world that you have no idea who they are, but they are a part of your, your family of God, and it's amazing. So I grew up in, in Princeton, Kentucky, which is a town about the size of Robinson, from what I understand. So um, I lived there for 19 years of my life. And then all of a sudden, like whenever I was called to ministry, I knew that I wanted to go get training for that, right? Um, so I moved all the way to um, Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's about 10 and a half hours away from my hometown. I knew nobody there. Like, I didn't even, it was founded by um, a big name preacher, and I had never even heard of him before. But here I am strolling up on this campus going, what have I gotten myself into? I know nobody here. How am I going to live? I, I just left where my entire family was from. I'm talking grandparents, parents, brothers, aunts, uncles, the whole works. And all of a sudden, I'm like moving 10 and a half hours away. What happens if I get sick? What happens if, if, some, if you guys are about to have kids that are about to go off to college? There's a good part to this story. Um, but... <laughs> Because my mom and dad experienced that anxiety a little bit. It can be a scary thought. But here's what I found out very quickly. I was moving to a place where there was a church. I was moving to a place where there were followers of Christ. And I want you to know that I was able to find those believers. I was able to find those followers of Christ. And they were able to become my family. Because I love what uh, author Rosaria Butterfield says. Um, she has two books that she's written, one on her testimony, one on hospitality. She says that the blood of Jesus is thicker than the bond of shared last names or the blood of biology. Think about that. The blood of Jesus is thicker 
than the bond of last names or the blood of biology. So church, that means that if you've got family members, biological family members that don't know the Lord, the blood of Jesus is thicker than that. If you feel isolated or you feel alone, you have brothers and sisters in here that are your family. If you are in a place that you've never been before, but there is a church, you immediately have a supernatural connection with them that no one else has. You're not alone. But we are unified by that blood. We are unified by that sacrifice. Um, Jesus Christ lays this out beautifully in Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 33. His, he was teaching in this house. And um, his mother and his brothers um, found out that he was teaching, and they thought that he had gone crazy. They thought, Jesus has gone off the rails this time. So they began to go, but they could not get into the house because it was so crowded. And so finally, somebody comes up to Jesus while he is teaching, and, and they say, hey, your mother and your brothers are here. And Jesus knew what they were there for. And Jesus stopped in the middle of his teaching, and he looked around the room, and he said, who are my mother?" Take two. All right. So not only do we um, need to be um, unified with each other, but we must also be unified with the Lord. You see, Jesus in this passage here is saying, may they be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. We must be every day walking with the Lord. Jesus says that if you abide in me, I will abide in you. Are you daily abiding yourself in the Word of God, relying on His Spirit? So in conclusion, just as we are ending today, I just have a few questions for you. In your personal walk with the Lord, are you sanctified? Are you set aside for Him? Church, are you sanctified? Are you set apart for the Lord and for His work and for what He has done? Do you view yourself as a sent person on a, with a purpose and a destination every single day? Church, do you see yourself as a sent church, willing to go whatever, to the nations at whatever the cost because of the great cost that Jesus gave for you? Do you, are you one as a church, or are you divided by politics or by preference or by tradition? But are you united by the blood of Christ alone and rely on that every single day? And are you unified with the Lord? Are you daily walking with him? But I need to tell you, if you don't know Christ, you cannot be sanctified. You cannot be sent. You cannot be unified. But Christ gave himself for you so that you can be sanctified. If you believe in him, repent from your sins and receive him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to pray and then Trey's going to come up and, and lead us from there. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we praise you for your goodness and for your love and for your mercy and for your truth. We thank you that you have united us in truth. We thank you that you have sent us in truth and that you have sanctified us by your truth, by your word. Help us to continually live a life that is centered around truth, that identifies with truth. And God, I pray that you will send this church to the nations. I pray that you will send this church to their neighbors. I pray that you'll send this church to Memphis, Tennessee to make your name known, to glorify you, and to make your name known among the nations. 
God, continue to draw us near to you by your love and by your truth. It's in Jesus' name, amen.